Good morning, Northwest. Hope you're doing well this, this morning. Welcome to Easter service. And I want to say that it is incredible to not be preaching the Easter service inside that little room behind me. Like we did last year for so many months, we were streaming the service. And I remember last year for Easter, we record, went in that room, recorded it, and then sent it out. And so it's grateful to, to see so many faces uh, here this morning. Uh, I'm not, not sure how you got here, whether you're visiting with the family, whether you found us online, or whether you're a regular at Northwest. Whatever way God used to bring you here, I truly believe that you're here for a purpose. I truly hear you're, you're, you are here to, to hear the greatest message in all of the world. Amen. There is no greater message than the message of Easter. And, and, I, and I really am praying that God would encourage you, challenge you, confront you, and whatever needs to be done, that that would happen today. So I, I'm, I'm blessed that you're here to, to worship King Jesus with us. Um, I, I want to go ahead and I want to pray for our service our time here in the word. And uh, let me go ahead and do that. And then you uh, can follow along with us. Let me pray. God in heaven, I want to thank you for who you are. I want to thank you that you are King of kings and Lord of lords, and there is no one like you. I want to thank you that you died. I want to thank you that you were buried. And I want to thank you most of all that you rose again. Lord, that's an incredible resume. <clears throat> and Lord, I want to thank you for doing that. Thank you for rescuing us giving us hope and giving us peace. That empty tomb is incredibly powerful. It has a powerful message. And so today I'm just asking your spirit to, to move and, uh, and, and confront and challenge and convict and save whatever you decide to do here uh, this morning, Lord. So I thank you for your word and I thank you that it's powerful and I thank you that we can open it up and read it. It's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen. And honestly, I believe there are two types of people if we were to go ahead and summarize. I don't want to be um, too general, but I, I think really if we think about it, there's really two types of people that are here in this congregation with us today. I mean, really we're in two camps, if you want to say. There, there's some of us that, hey, we are trusting in God. We, we trust God. We believe in God. We're holding fast to who he is. Maybe there's a time in your life where you said, yes, I'm a sinner and I need to be saved and I, I, am, I am trusting in God. And there's the other type of person that might be here. And, and, and really it boils down to two things. There's the other type is someone that's trying to be God. There's trusting in God and then there is trying to be God. Now, let me break down the trust just for a little bit. Maybe you're sitting here and you have placed your faith in Christ and you would say that you are truly a believer, but you do wrestle with learning to trust God on an ongoing basis. But there also, in the trust category, there's also maybe you've just never been convinced that this Jesus who said he is the Messiah, he's the way, the truth, and the life, that maybe you've never been convinced that he truly is the way, that he truly is the life, he truly is the Messiah. You, you're not convinced that Jesus is God. And so there is initial trust and there is ongoing trust. But when there is a lack of trust, 
We're both at the same place because there is a place where we find ourselves and we find ourselves trying to take the place of the God of the universe. And we're trying to say, well, you know what? I, I think that I, I might know what's better. And we all can wrestle with that, whatever place of trust we might be in. And, and I think that today, whatever place you find yourself in, I think that today the Easter message is the most important message for all of us, regardless of where we are, so that we can recognize that God desires to be God. He desires to speak through us and use us. But he said, let there be no other gods before you. And his desire for you and his desire for me is that we would trust him, we would believe in him, and that we would simply follow him. That's really what he's trying to get us to do. In essence, I would probably say it this way. God is saying, get out of my seat. Let me be God in your life. Let me control the things in your life. Let me guide you. Let me lead you. Let me show you who I am. I, I, I would say that we're, we're there. On April the 3rd, 1983, which was several years ago yesterday, my life changed. That was the day that Mrs. Thayer told me, Matt, you're a sinner and you need to be saved. That was the day that I placed my faith in Jesus. It was the day that I recognized, wow, there is really a lot of power in the Easter story. I can tell you that that day has had a significant impact and what, I do, what I'm doing right now has everything to do with that message that I surrendered my life to on April 3rd, 1983. And so what I want us to really look at is, is, is 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. If you're using the Bible app, of course, it's in there for you. You can look at your text, your scripture, however you choose to do that. But I want to take a look at Paul writing a letter to this place, this, a bunch of churches in this, these cities called Corinth. Now, the cities of Corinth basically are a mess. The churches are a mess. This guy, this guy Paul, who's an apostle of Jesus Christ, who was a persecutor of Christians, had an encounter of the power of the gospel, came to faith in Christ, gave his life over to Christ, and then the persecutor became the presenter of Jesus. And he went around and he started planting a lot of churches, and he went into this, the cities of Corinth, and he planted a lot of churches there. And what took place was they went away from the major message, the main message of the Easter story, the main message of the Bible. And he went away from that. And so Paul is coming back and he's trying to get them to say, what do I do to address their hopelessness? What do I do to address their sinfulness? What do I do to, to answer this situation? And, and he answers that question in verses 1 through 5 of 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I'm going to read that for you. Here's what it says. Then I came to you, brothers, and I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech and or wisdom. Basically, what he's saying is, is I'm not going to try to impress you with my words. 
I'm not going to try to win you over with the big vocabulary or take you or, or have you or cause you to look at me as something that's just awesome. I came among you knowing that all of the things that are plaguing you right now, I've decided to come not with lofty words or my wisdom. Go on to the next verse, verse two. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. So he's coming into this situation, coming into this city, and he's telling them, what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to come in with the message that can fix it all, that can change it all, and that is Christ and him crucified. Then he goes on, verse 3, and says, and I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling, and my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the power of the, of the Spirit and of power. Verse 5 is our main verse. And verse 5 says, So that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So as we talked about just a minute ago, we talked about, hey, there are really three types of people, really two types of people, if we really want to get down to it. We're trusting in God or we're trying to be God. That's where we find ourselves. Trusting in God or trying to be God. And what Paul is sitting here and he's saying is I'm going to come to you to answer that question. I'm not going to come to you so that you will believe in me. I'm not going to come to you so you'll be impressed with my words and try to, to get you to believe because of me. I'm going to come to you with one simple message, and that is the power of God. Because the power of God is demonstrated in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus most prominently. And, and so as we get into the message, I would ask you right now, are you trusting in God or are you trying to be God? Are you trusting in the God of all creation, the one who spoke the world into existence, the one who raised Jesus from the dead? Are you trusting in him right now or are you trying to be him? Sometimes we slip into that second unintentionally. And it's things like today, it's opportunities like today for us to really gather ourselves and recenter and refocus. So Paul comes back to the churches of Corinth. The word Corinth means corrupt. There were a lot of things that were going on that were wrong. So Paul's coming back into this city with all of these churches that are all over the place. And he's like, I got one message to tell you. I've got one message to tell you. And I want your faith to be rooted on the power of God. I personally think that the power of God is most clearly seen in a lot of ways, but I think it's really, really important to see how the power of God is demonstrated through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, the Easter story. And so what we're going to do is we're going to camp out on taking a look at how the power of God is seen in the Easter message. In the, in the, and the, really the one story of the Bible. If we get down to it, there's not 4,000 stories in the Bible. All of these episodes are pointing back to this one story that Christ died, he was buried, and he rose again. Everything is pointing to that truth. Everything. 
from David and Goliath to Moses, from, from everything in the scripture is all pointing again to this one truth. So the power of God. How, how, do, we, how do we see the power of God? I, I can sit there, and as an illustration, I can sit there and tell you that for myself, I can come up here and I can preach and I can have a, I can tell you I went to college and I went to seminary, but I can also tell you that my wisdom and my power is limited. I can also demonstrate and tell you that God's power is different than that. For instance, my brother-in-law is a pastor in Charlotte right now, and he is preaching, and I'm asking God to use him. I don't know what's going on over there. All I know is what's happening right here in front of us, this moment that we have together. I don't know what's going on in Charlotte because why? I'm limited. But listen, this is what I know. God is using him and the words that he speaks for the fame of his great name. And there's some cool things that are going on in Charlotte that I hope that I'll hear about later today. Uh, how, would you, how else would you see the power of God? I, I want to I share with you that this morning at our Easter sunrise service, Ryan called me over and said, hey, Matt, this is Kevin. I met Kevin. I've had the opportunity, surprise, 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 to play pickleball with Kevin. I know that's a surprise to some of you. But Kevin and I got to play pickleball together. I met him. He saw our tent. He came to the church. He's been hanging out with Ryan. He's in a Bible study with some other guys. They challenged him to watch the video called The Passion of the Christ. And somewhere around over there by the, 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 where the um, hammocks are, this morning, he looked at me and he said, I am fully embracing Jesus as my savior as a 51-year-old man. That was, that was this morning that he told me that. He, he later told, told Ryan that what he was going to go do and what he has done is he went home and he re-proposed to his wife and asked her to be committed to him in the new way that he wanted to live, the way of Christ. Now, ladies, I just got to say, that's, you've got to say amen to that. I'm here to tell you right now that the God that we serve and the God, that, the God that emptied that tomb on that Easter Sunday morning is the same God today and is the same God that can redeem, transform, and demonstrate his power. And I'm asking him to do that today in your life. So I want us to take a look at really three, three, I got three points for you, three things where we see God's power that I think is really seen in the Easter story. First thing that I want you to see, the power of God is truly seen in God's love. Maybe this is foreign to you. Maybe this is new to you. Maybe this is familiar to you, but I want to remind you of it. In, in Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39, this is what the apostle Paul said to the churches in Rome. This is what he said, the Roman church. He said, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The God of the universe is described as unconditional love. And that's where we see God's power. The, the Bible also says in Romans 5, 8, it said that God demonstrated his own love for us 
that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We're at our absolute worst. God gave us his best. That's Jesus. That's what the scripture teaches. I, I need you to understand that God is not dying for us. God is not loving us when we just, when we go to church and we say all the right things and we don't lose our temper. He's not waiting to love us until we do those things. He's loving us in spite of those things. Here is a quote for you. He died for us when we were yelling at our kids, stealing at work, losing our patience with our spouse, friends, and family, not living for God in college, apathetic, confused, doubting dispositions. You are the one that Jesus loves. You are the one that Jesus loves. The testimony of the Bible, and maybe you remember this, maybe I'm dating myself, maybe I'm going to embarrass my kids with this, but do you remember Barney? And the kind of love that Barney had, I love you, you love me, we're one big guy. That's not the type of love that the God of creation has for us. That's not the kind of love. It is unconditional. It is passionate. It is real. He, he loves us so much that he looks at us and says, you are headed for hell and torture and life separated from me. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to climb up on that cross. I'm going to put my son up on that cross to demonstrate to you that I desire to have a relationship with you. It's the most costliest, sacrificial form of love that has ever been recorded in, in the entire world. And that's the kind of love that he has to send his son to, who climbs up on a cross so that we might be redeemed. I don't believe that there is any, any greater definition of love and really in all the world. He loves us with the costliest, most sacrificial kind of love you and I could ever know. Here's a quote for you. And if hell itself couldn't make Jesus turn his back on you, what makes you think that anything you could do in this life could make him forsake you. So here's what I want you to do. When you are sitting there and believing lies about maybe what someone has told you about yourself, whatever the case might be, maybe you're not good enough. Maybe you're not smart enough. Maybe you're this and maybe you're that, or maybe you're incomplete. Whatever the case that the Satan or other people have told you, I simply want you to say to yourself, I am one that God loves. Because John 3, 16 says, for God so loves the world, and that is you, and that is me. And, and, and God, God demonstrates that. So the, the kind of love that we have is one of the most, dem, most powerful demonstrations of the God of the universe that we serve. Another way in the Easter story that, that the power of God is seen, not just simply in his love, but also, also seen in the resurrection of Jesus. Now, I, I would have to say, I mean, we're just gonna be honest and say it like this. The resurrection simply is the, one of the greatest demonstration, is the greatest demonstration of the power of God ever recorded and ever known. I mean, here's what we're doing right now. Line up your resume and let's put his resume side by side to yours. 
I'm just going to say and go out on a limb that the one who has I raised somebody from the dead, I'm going with him. I'm, go, I'm going over there. I'm, I'm, I'm with him. Anytime we put our resumes side by side, the God of creation, here's what he did. He crucified. Jesus was crucified. Um, Galatians 4.4 4 says that in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. The reason that Jesus came forth is recorded in 1 Timothy 1.15, which is what we've been studying the last couple of weeks in Northwest. The reason he came was to save sinners. And before we get to the resurrection, let's just put ourselves in the story of, hey, would I go to the cross or what would I do? Read, let me read this to you. If you had been at the cross or we had been at the cross, we probably would have vomited or screamed or pulled our hair or thrown ourselves on the ground and pounded the dirt and ground our teeth and sobbed ourselves into exhaustion. Putting spikes through people's arms and legs and hanging them on a cross with their full body weight, tearing their flesh and smashing their legs or driving a spear into their side all are all unbearable to watch, let alone endure. And the God of the creation says, I love you. And so that's why I'm sending you this, my son, who is Jesus, who is fully God and fully man. So he can identify what, with us in his humanity and he can take away what we need in his divinity. That's who he is. And the resurrection, that empty tomb is what shows that. The Bible says that by the joy set before him, he endured the cross. For the first time, God the Son took on the sins of the world, separated from God the Father, showing us he had victory. The Bible says that he was taken down off the cross. He was placed in a, he died, he was taken down off the cross. He was buried in a borrowed tomb, but God, you know what I'm getting ready to say? Three days later, the tomb is rolled away and they come in and they say, he is not he is risen. He is risen. That's what the scriptures teach us. That is the savior that we follow, that we proclaim. That's why when Paul comes into the Corinthians, he's not using his lofty words to impress people. He's pointing them to an empty tomb, demonstrating the greatest power of anyone that has ever lived or will live. That tomb is empty because of the God we serve. It shows that God is powerful. We see his love. No one loves like that. We, we see the resurrection. We see Jesus hanging on the cross saying, it is finished. The payment for their sins is finished. Gave up his life. And then again, we see him coming out of the tomb. What does the scripture teach us? Paul writes again, he says, if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is in vain. One, one pastor named Charles Spurgeon said this, the resurrection of Jesus is the keystone of the arch of our holy faith. If you take the resurrection away, the whole structure lies in ruins. The resurrection of Jesus is a great demonstration of the power of God. And please don't miss that. It is, great, it is a great reason along with the love of God to do what? To trust in him and stop trying to be him. It is great reason, just because of the love and the resurrection, to trust him and let's stop trying to be him. Here's the third thing. 
Here's the third. The third one that I have for you is the power of God is seen in the great exchange. Now, there, there are all kinds of things that I could use to, to give you an example of this right now. But if, if, if I was to look at, let's just say, if I was to look at Caitlin Langdon sitting right over here, and Caitlin has a nice bike, and I said, Caitlin, I'm going to trade you my Chevy Colorado pickup truck for your bike. I want Caitlin to exchange that. She would look at that and she would say, that's a good deal. I can't use it right now. Well, maybe she like, no, that, that's a good deal. She would take my Chevy Colorado pickup truck because that's a good exchange. She's getting something really good. And here's what we have to see. The power of God is demonstrated so clearly in scripture based on the great exchange. So, so here's our problem. You know this. We have sin and there's nothing that we can do about it, but God has righteousness. It is, he is full of righteousness and we are full of sin. And so what takes place is that he who knew no sin became sin so that we might be, have the righteousness of God. That's what the scripture teaches. So there's this great exchange God comes and says, I'm going to give you the righteousness to stand before God forgiven. Jesus said that. I'm going to give you the righteousness that you need. I'm going to forgive you of your sins that you desperately need and want. I'm going to do that. And so what God, what God has, we need, but we don't deserve. And his grace comes and he gives it to us. This is the great exchange. Listen, I'll read the verse, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let me, let me explain it this way. There's so many more examples that we could do. Uh, Bartimaeus taking up his mat and walking is a story in the Bible. Rise, take up your mat and walk. Jesus healed him to do that. A blind man now seeing, Jesus also did that. Putting the ear back on a guy's head after it was cut off, Jesus did that. That's pretty powerful too. Feeding 5,000 plus people with some fish and some bread, that's pretty powerful too. However, the miracle of repenting of your sins and placing your faith in Jesus to be saved is the greatest miracle that has ever been seen. You might be sitting there saying, Matt, I read the Bible and I see all these kinds of miracles and I don't see any more today. I would begin with, if you're not a believer, get saved. It's the greatest miracle that you could ever see and be a part of. Give your life to Jesus. Stop being God, but surrender your life to the power of God. It is beautiful. It is unbelievable. And it will satisfy you in every way possible. That does not mean that we are exempt from heartache or pain, but it says that we have the peace and the joy to walk through it because we have someone whose shoulders are 10 times bigger than ours. We were never meant to be able to hold the anxiety, the trials of our lives on our own shoulders. We are weak and we are infallible. And King Jesus comes to say, give me, come to me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden and give me your burdens and I will give you peace. That's the power of, of, of the gospel. And so what, 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 are we, what, do we, what do we do and what do we do with this? 
maybe you're in here right now and maybe there was a time in your life where you said, yes, I repented of my sins. I placed my faith in Jesus. But I can tell you right now, I'm really having a hard time trusting in God because God is delaying what I want him to do. God's not acting the way I want him to. God is, and, and so what happens is you've got anxiety, you might have depression, you might have just all kinds of things that are going on in your life where you can't really see truth. And what I'm asking you to do is I'm asking you today to just look at him and say, I trust you and I believe. And, and maybe you're sitting here like Kevin has been over a couple of weeks and saying he's hearing about Jesus. He's hearing about the power of God. He's hearing about salvation in Jesus alone. And finally, like, like I heard him say today, he looked and he says, I am fully embrace, embracing Jesus as my savior. Maybe you're here today, you've never done that. And what I'm gonna do is I'm just gonna ask you while they're singing here at the end, I'm just gonna ask you right where you're sitting. I'm gonna challenge you. Embrace him, repent, believe in him. You were created with a God-sized hole in your heart that can only be filled by him. Kevin looked at me and said, man, there's been a hole in my heart for a long time, for 51 years, and I finally figured out what it is. It's Jesus. And God gave him to you and God gave him to me. And the way that he demonstrates he is the way, the truth, and the life is that Christ died, Christ was buried, here it is, here's what all hinges, and Christ rose again. On that Easter, they came into that tomb, and he's gone. And I believe that is great reason for us to trust him and stop being him. To trust him and stop being in him. So my question, where does your trust lie? In yourself? You guys can come on up. Where does your trust lie? The God of the universe desires to have a relationship with us. We've learned about the power of God. The power of God is seen in his love, seen in the resurrection, and seen in the great exchange. We need something. God has something. God takes our sin, gives us grace, gives us salvation. That is an incredible, incredible gift. It is a great exchange. Let me ask you this question. What would it take for you to stop trusting in yourself and start trusting in Christ? What would it take? What is holding you back from exchanging your sins for his righteousness? Here's what I'd like to do. I, myself, Ryan, David, are gonna be standing around during the last song and we're also going to be willing to talk to whoever wants to talk to, whoever wants to talk to us about what it means to have a relationship with King Jesus. We're going to sing a song and then David's going to come up and close us down here in just a minute. But, but, but during this last song, I, I just want to encourage you with everything that's in me, not with eloquent words or wisdom, to just follow Jesus Surrender your life to him. Trust him. Let's collectively help each other to stop trying to take Jesus' place, God's place. Let us together help each other to trust him. Because why? There's no one like him. We look at his resume. He raised somebody from the dead so that you and I could live. 
And every single day, he is redeeming people, confronting sin, forgiving sin. And maybe this is a familiar message to you. Maybe it's a brand new message. However, the Lord uses it today. I would ask for you to trust in Jesus and embrace him fully. I love you. I thank you for spending Easter with us at Northwest Community Church. May God be in your life all that he said he would be. I pray you would allow him to do that. Let's pray. Lord, I love you. I thank you for the privilege of being up here right now and talking about you. I thank you for the opportunity to take a look at the scriptures and see what the scriptures say. Lord, we, we recognize that the Easter story is full of your power. We see the power of God through the love that you have for us, through the, the, the resurrection of Jesus, and we see the power of God in the great exchange. We are sinners, can't do anything about it, but Lord, you did something about it, and so we're grateful for that. Thank you for allowing us to be forgiven. If there's anybody in here today, God, I pray that today during this song, they would fully embrace you. I pray that if anybody needs to talk to about this, that Lord, they would stand up and come up to anyone that has a relationship with the Lord, myself, uh, David, Ryan, Teresa, uh, our staff, to, to, to talk to them, Gazel, and anybody that has uh, a need to talk to someone, I pray, Lord, that today that they would, they would do that. L Lord, please don't let us, don't let anyone leave here today that's uncertain about their eternity. We know, Lord, that you sent Jesus and Jesus climbed up on that cross, declaring it is finished, put in the tomb. And then the early morning folks that went into the tomb said, he is not here, he is risen. Let the power of that message fuel us, sustain us, encourage us, confront us, and cause us to believe and trust in you and not trust in ourselves. We love you, Jesus' name, amen. All right, church. Let's